How's that sound to you? Well, I just want to ask you the question, where do we go next? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Ask that you would guide us through the message this morning. Help us to be what we need to be for you in every way we want to be uh, the child of God you've called us to be. So bless us, help us, and guide us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I get confused, it's because we had to cover too many bases this morning. But we'll get them all covered, and we'll consider it a grand slam. All right. When the world around us is in total chaos... What do we do next? When things seemingly are falling apart, when we get confused about what our next step is, when the devil has quit whispering in your ear and has started yelling at the top of his lungs, when discouragement is piling up, when stress has pushed us to the limit, when your friends become a little bit distant, where do we go next? Well, in John, the 14th chapter, I'm going to look at that to give us, if you would, the text that we want to speak on this morning. I just want to read the first four verses of John 14. Um, it's probably something most of you can quote because if you've been around the Church of God quite a while, you'll know that this is something that uh, we make sure we understand because the world has got it so twisted they don't know what it really means. In verse 1 it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Is your heart troubled? He says, Don't let it be that way. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm not lying to you. I'd tell you the truth. That's what Jesus is saying there. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may, also, may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Now I want you to know, Jesus doesn't want us wandering through life, stumbling and stammering, not getting, uh, if you would, our feet in front of each other, tripping and falling, making mistakes, and not know where do we go next. There are encouraging words that Jesus is giving us here as his followers at one of the lowest times of his life on earth. You know, I think Jesus is very aware of what the next step in his life is going to be. Amen? Now, he knows he doesn't have years, he doesn't have months, he doesn't have weeks. He's down to hours, minutes, and seconds of his life here on earth. He's going to really suffer for the next few hours. He's going to be crucified in the most cruel way humanly possible. He's going to be abused like you have never seen abuse before. 
and eventually his fleshly body is going to succumb to that torture and he's going to die on a cross called Calvary. Sometimes in our weakest moment, we try to put on an act. We try to be something that we don't want others to see us if, and perceive us as being weak. And others sometimes look at us and they're looking to us for strength. And really on the inside, we could surely use some strength. Amen? There are just times in our lives like that. Amen? There are people that look to us to help them through all of their issues. Our spouses, our children, our families, our church families, our siblings, our friends, our neighbors, they all look to the people that say they know God to see when issues are tough, how are they going to stand up during all that? And a lot of times we just have to ask ourselves, Lord, where do we go next? What's up? How are we going to get through it? But as much as we try to be strong in bad situations, reality still has a way of gripping us and let us know that there are still problems in the world that we don't have all the answers to. But I'm glad we know the one that does have the answers because John said, or in the Gospel of John, Jesus said in John 16:33, I've overcome the world. Amen? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? And now that, even that statement is even closer to Christ's crucifixion than what I'm reading out of John 14. When he said, I have overcome the world, man, he was at the doorstep of walking out into the troubles that he had never faced before in his life. Amen. Did you know Jesus had enemies? Did he? Why, you wouldn't. Sometimes you think people are doing so well. They're working miracles for everyone else. And they never apply a miracle to themselves, if you would. In Jesus' case, that was definitely true. But did you know that he had enemies? Amen. He had the enemy of the devil. He was his number one nemesis. He was after him at every point. And Jesus had victory over the devil. He got it in Matthew, the fourth chapter. And the, the scripture says the devil left him for a little season. And Jesus had such victory over the devil, the devil didn't even bother wasting his time. But you know what he does? He starts working on your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, and those that have influence over you to try to drag you down. Amen? Amen. Now, I have had some, some people in my life that, you know, I loved them. I had to work with them. I had to put up with them. I had to share things with them. But you know what? I think their biggest chore in their life was to try to make me fall or make me make a mistake or point at me and point out all my weaknesses. Well, that same enemy was the one that worked on Jesus Christ in his life. In the and all the other things that's going on in Jesus' life at this time, 
at this very time that I just read that scripture to you, he just had a meal with his 12 buddies. 12 closest friends he could have. Did you know that? And one of them had just left the dinner table and went out to try to get 30 pieces of silver as payoff for turning Jesus in and make him look like a criminal when he knew in his heart Jesus has never done anything wrong. Amen. At that same meal, there was a guy there that said, Man, Jesus, I love you so much, I'll do anything for you. Was well, that right, Peter? For the crock crows in the morning, before sun comes up, you're going to deny me three times. Huh. Oh, I never did not. Well, just save your breath. I know how the enemy works. Jesus was telling him. Amen. While they are all preoccupied in thinking of other things, Jesus is trying to tell them, guys, I'm about done. It's about over. I'm about to check out. And from now on, it's going to be up to you. Amen. You need to make sure you got everything together and you need to know what the next steps you have to go through to be the child of God you want to be. You see, Jesus had problems too. Amen. Not only was his disciples not really paying attention, they were thinking about a lot of things for them. You know one of the arguments they had in the last few days in the life of Christ? Which one's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Come on. Just to be in the kingdom makes you great. Forget about who's the greatest. Amen. I just want to be in heaven. I don't want to be the best in heaven. I just want to show up. Amen. Well, with all that turmoil with his disciples, all the turmoils he had with the Jewish leaders, uh, all the turmoil he had with the Romans, the governor and all, we know about Pilate and Herod, all them, along with all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the scribes and lawyers and chief priests and on and on and on, constantly telling him he was wrong, basically. Now, they couldn't pin him down to it, but that's what their heart was saying to him. Uh, Jesus still finds comfort in the fact of saying, this too will pass. Amen? Now, I know we're not all the same, and we don't all handle things the same way. There are things that come to our household that Bonnie frets over. And she has to remind me that it's even there, because I don't even give it a two seconds worth of hoot that it's even happening. And then there are things that I fret and stew over that Bonnie probably doesn't even, that's nothing. Because we're all different. We all handle things different. Amen. And for all of us, the next step that we need to take might be a different step. We all see things through different sets of eyes. And we all have different understandings of how to handle those things. Amen. But what we should do, maybe we should try to do some of the things the same way Jesus did, just to see if it might work for us like it did for him. Amen? I don't know. I don't think I'm really the most patient person in the world. 
But when the pressure of the world comes to me, I try to put it in perspective. You know, there are a lot of problems I've had in 72 years. Amen. I know I'm just a young pup, but in 72 years, I've been through a lot of trials, a lot of difficulties. Amen. And I know that there are people that go through difficulties that I can't even imagine going through. But you know what I've done? I've learned from my difficulties. I've learned from your difficulties. I've learned from their difficulties. And I've learned to trust Jesus Christ to keep me strong and moving forward so that I'll know what's coming at me next. Amen? I try to look to God and say, I haven't been here before. And God says, through my spirit, yes, there are a lot of things you haven't done, but look at all the victories you've had. If I can look to one victory and know that God's spirit can deliver me in that case, why can't I depend on that for the next issue that comes along? Amen? So I take comfort in the fact that Jesus and many others, even my past, show me where to go to get the counsel I need in all these world issues that come on us and try to say you're not where you should be or you're in trouble or you're not doing something right. So I say to Satan, get behind me, Satan. I rebuke you. I'm going on the best I know how. I trust the living God, and I trust his comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, and I know if I do it that way, everything's going to be okay. Amen? I don't have to worry about who wins all the battles in this world. I don't have to worry about who ends up with the most money or the most power, even though this world is hungry for the power and the money that they can grab a hold of while they're in this world. They are, let me tell you, you ready? All those hungry money, power-hungry people are one heartbeat away from forefooting it all. Eternity is in every one of their paths. They can grab at all the power and money they want of this world, but there's a coming a day soon and very soon where they're not going to be grabbing at that anymore because their life will be over and they will have to uh, understand that they've missed the, missed the, the bucket or missed the, the point when they starved themselves to go after the things of this world. Amen? Now, I realize to put all those things out of your mind, eh, nobody worries about money, do they? Anybody here worried about money? Ah, oh, good. I'm glad we're all millionaires. That makes it easier. All right. But there are times when things are easier said than done. You ever heard that statement? Well, but everything has to have a start to it. Amen? Now look in verse number one again with me in the scriptures that I read. He says, believe in God. How hard is that? Huh. That's the first step, isn't it? Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Huh. How many of you believe in God? 
That's pretty simple for me. Amen. And then he says, believe also in me. Has Jesus ever let you down? Has he ever missed? Amen. Has he ever, has he ever been there when you needed him? Absolutely. So believe in God, believe in him. For the disciples, God was the basis of the Jewish religion that they had been brought up in from kindergarten or from their youth right on up. So the God of the Old Testament, they knew all about him. They knew all about the Garden of Eden. They knew all about Noah and the ark. They even heard of Jonah and the whale. Daniel and the lion's den. They knew all of that and how God could deliver. Amen? They knew everything that God could do for them. But their history was in that Jewish way of thinking. Well, in the New Testament, when we go from fleshly living by the law to spiritual living by faith, there has to be a transition that we need to make to be adjusted in what's going on. And you know what that calls for? We have to know what's the next step. Where are we going next? Amen? So that Now, they knew all about God and all of that stuff. And if you don't believe in God, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I have to tell you, dude, every time I see a tree, I know God's real. There ain't nobody in this world can grow a tree but God. You can plant it. You can dig one up and move it from one spot to another. Amen. I've even done that in my house. Most of them look like sticks when I got done because they didn't grow. Amen. We've had several sticks. We thought they were trees. Nope, they were just sticks. They didn't grow. They didn't have no leaves on them. Just a stick. Amen. It's kind of like a boomerang that don't come back. You know what that is, don't you? It's just a stick. Amen. So we've learned that if things are going to happen in nature's world, it's because the hand of God is there. Amen. You know that there are trees that grow for years and years and years in the woods, and then all of a sudden they just don't grow no more. Something happens to them. Wind comes along, over they go. And what happens? Another tree sprouts right up and goes right in its foot. And nobody touched it. Nobody had anything to do with it. God knows every tree. Huh. Isn't that something? Well, we're going to get to a scripture on that here in a little bit. It says he even knows the hairs on your head. Amen. For some of us, that's not too many, but he knows them all. But since they had the Jewish background as disciples, it was easy for them to say, yeah, we believe in God. But Jesus said, well, wait a minute. What about me? Amen. That's the way it is. God's in charge of it all. When I see animals in nature, squirrels and rabbits and chipmunks and deer, amen, if you ride with me in the country, tell them, Judy, and I see a deer, everybody in the car is going to hit it. There it is right there. See it? I'll point it out. Amen. You'd rather I be watching the road, but hey, I'm watching the deer because I want to see what God's doing in that part of the country. Amen. So who cares for them? Well, I'll tell you who cares for them. God does. You know what God said in Matthew uh, 10th chapter? Let me just turn back there real quick and just read it. And hold your hand here. I don't want to spill the beans in. But in Matthew 10, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground 
Without your father, Jesus says. He knows every sparrow. Did you know that? He knows them by name. Amen. And I have trouble remembering somebody's name I met last week. Yeah, I'm just terrible with names. God knows them, and he knows them by... And he says, not only that, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Huh, how about that? That's before you comb and after you comb. Amen. He knows how many hairs on your head. Pretty cool, huh? Amen. That's before you shave and after you shave. God's got your number, brother. Amen. He knows everything about you. Now, what's he say about that? Amen. In verse number 31, Fear ye not. Therefore, what's therefore mean? Based on what I just said about the sparrows. What are they worth to God? They're worth a lot. Oh, well, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Amen. I think of that every time I see a sparrow land while I'm sitting outside in my glider in the morning having my coffee. And the sparrows are landing all around me and I see them and I chase the squirrels off and the rabbits are running everywhere, God's still in control. God knows what he's doing. Amen? You're worth more than the sparrows to God. So he's going to take care of us. So when some people get weary because of the world's attacks, they foolishly say, that God has turned his back on them. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have heard that time and time again. No, God hasn't turned his back on them. They have turned their back on God. Amen. So when God says, I want you to take a step closer, and they take a step in the wrong direction, that's when there's more distance between them and God. But there's, there's no way that could be possible that God has turned his back on us because I have no other reason. The sparrows are still flying. And you're worth a whole lot more to God than those sparrows. So if he hasn't given up on the sparrows, he won't give up on you. Amen. Sometimes we just need to open our eyes and say, Lord, where do we go next? Amen? Well, according to our text in verse number 2, John the 14th chapter, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. For not so, I would have told you. See, he's not out to lie to you. He's going to tell you the truth. And if it wasn't so, he'd say it. That ain't right. Amen? He's going to tell it like it is. Amen? So what's Jesus pointing us towards? When he says that, in my father's house, that's the church. Didn't he say, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? Well, he put those thoughts in their minds and put them in motion, even though the church isn't a reality until the day of Pentecost after he resurrects and goes back to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit in the second chapter of the book of Acts. Isn't that cool? Amen. He had a plan. And he said, it's going to come to pass in my father's house or the church. The church is not the building. The church is those that have a personal relationship and walk with God and obey what the, the two witnesses tell them to obey of God's word and God's spirit. 
Jesus also said, if it weren't so, I would have told you. He's not going to lie to us. He's going to tell us straight up. Amen? In, uh, there are many mansions in my Father's house. The word mansions in its true definition of understanding it, because a lot of us think, man, wouldn't we like to have a mansion? You know, what do you think a mansion is in your mind? Which is bigger, a house or a mansion? Mansion is in your mind, in my mind, in everybody's mind. Amen. Mansions are something that the millionaires have, that have uh, millions extra. Us millionaires, we're just down here. But the millionaires that have plenty extra, they live in mansions. We live in houses, right? Well, in God's house, there are many mansions. How can you get in a house many mansions? They won't fit, right? Because mansions are bigger. That's the way my mind works. But what is he saying? His house, God's house, is the church. But in the church, there's many dwelling places for the Holy Spirit. What are they? Your heart, my heart, those of us that have given our life to Christ so that we can walk where he wants us to go. Again, the Holy Spirit doesn't live in buildings. He lives in the spirits of God's people. He lives in your heart and my heart. Did you know that when they crucified Christ, that was the last time God ever dwelt in a building? Huh, did you know that? What happened when he got crucified? Well, one of the things that happened, the veil of the temple to the holy of holies, and that's where God said, I'll take up my residence and I'll live in there, and I'll only let one person come in once a year, and when he comes in, he better come with a sacrifice, and his life better be clean as it can be. Amen? The high priest, he has to have absolutely no sin. If he does, I'll kill him. So he lived in that holy of holies of the temple until Christ was crucified. And then from then on, the veil was rent. God moved out. Then it was just another room in the temple. And God has not lived in buildings made by hands since then. Now he lives in the hearts of his people. Amen? The church. When trouble's all around you, your next step has to be to seek out the God that wants to live in your heart, that's moved out of the temple, wants to be as close to you as he can get, and you need to go to him in prayer. Prayer is the connector between you and God. It's what's going to make things come to, to pass the way God wants them to be. If you still don't know where the next step should be in your lives, go to others that have been part of God's church. Look at verse number 3. And I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place ready for you. Amen. Now what is that? That's the church. And then I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, God wants to live in the church. And if you come in the church, and he comes in the church, he said, we're going to live together. I'll meet you right there. We're going to walk together day by day. 
I'll help you find the steps you need. Jesus prepared a place for us. Yes, it's the church. Within the church, even at today, there's even conflict. Isn't that something? You would have thought if Jesus knew how to build a church, he'd have built one that once you get in, you'd have no more problems. Huh. But guess what? We not only get in the church, we not only get the Holy Spirit to live in our lives, but we still have the flesh to deal with. And the devil doesn't work on our heart. He works on our flesh. He works on the problems that you have in, the, in getting your spirit and your flesh to walk in unison. Amen? There's more comfort in knowing that Jesus wants to live in your life than if you uh, want to live your life your own way. How many times have you had a bad day? I mean, it was the worst. Problems on every hand. But it happened to be the day that church service was going on, and you pressed your way to the church, and it just seemed like as soon as you walked through the doors, got to meet some other saints, and got to hear how God had been with them and blessed them and testified, it seems like that cloud of problems has a way of melting away. Amen. When you get in the presence of other saints and have fellowship with them, things start to cheer up and clear up, and you become more of what God wants you to be. Whether you believe it or not, saints, we need one another. Amen? It's part of God's church. Amen? I need your mansion as much as I need God's church sometimes. When I think of God, I know he's a trinity. And I have to think of him as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are never separated. They always work in unison. Amen? Now, they all have different works to do, but they all work together. That's what we call unity. That's why I like unity so much. Well, the same is true of God's church. We all have different gifts. We all can do things differently to work. <coughs> but when we work in unity, God gets the glory. It's no longer what you can do for the church and what I can do for the church. It's what we can do together for the church that God pays attention to. Amen? So look at verse 4. Jesus says, I'm going to go... And when I do go, I want you to know, you guys know the way. Let me just tell you something. Sometimes, this is dude, you don't have to listen to this part if you don't want to. But sometimes, when I read the word of God and read Jesus saying some things, it's rare, but it, I do believe it happens. He only says things to spark our minds or his disciples' minds into thinking a little bit huh, I don't know where you're going, Jesus. How am I supposed to know the way? Huh, that's what Thomas said. <coughs> Excuse me. How am I supposed to know the way? I don't know where you're going. Huh, and Jesus said, what do you mean you don't know where I'm going? Have I been with you so long and lived with you and taught you so much of what I'm doing and where I'm going and you don't know where I'm going? 
Come on, guys. That's not that hard to figure out. Well, Jesus is in such a great tune at this point in his life with the Spirit of God and the spirits of men around him that they don't know how to respond when he says, I'm going to go away, but I'll come back and get you. Well, their first question is, where are you going? Amen. Guess what? It worked. That was a question he set out there or a statement he put out there just to get a reaction from his disciples. He's going to get some more reactions. I won't have time to preach on them. He's going to get another reaction uh, from Philip, and he's going to get one from Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas. Even in this chapter, he's going to get it because he's going to say things that they don't understand they should have understood. And when you come to the point where your mind starts thinking on the things that God's doing, even though you don't understand them completely, ah, that's when the Spirit of God can talk to you and tell you what your next step should be. Amen? So, it works. How are we going to know where you're going? How are we going to know the way? Well, how do we know the next steps in our life? is what we ask ourselves. Jesus goes on and tells them, the only steps you need to know is in verse number six. Jesus tells them the next step is, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. Amen? Can I tell you something? Those are the steps you need to take in life, no matter what comes or go. You need to go the way God points for you to go because no man can come to the Father except they take those steps. As human, that are both physical and spiritual, sometimes the flesh speaks up and leads us down, if you would, paths of legalism. Amen? Did you know that? You're going to think, if I'm going to be right with God, I've got to do this. I got to go here. I got to work this out. I got to say this thing. I've got to look this way. I got to dress a certain how. I've got to. No. Let me read that to you, and I want to read it to you in Galatians, the third chapter, because Paul makes that clear when he's talking. I'm going to read it from the everyday version. Michael put it up here. And Paul says it this way in, a flea, in Galatians, the third chapter, verse 1 through five. It says, you people in Galatia were told very clearly about the death of Jesus on the cross. But you were foolish. You let someone trick you telling me this one thing. Tell me this one thing. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit by following the law? That's a big no-no. Did you receive the Spirit because you heard the good news and believed it? Yes. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now, are you trying to make it complete by your own power? That's foolish. We all were, I'm sorry, 
Were all your experiences wasted? Were all your experiences wasted? I can't hardly speak. I've done taught too much today. No, I hope not. Does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you? Oh, we read about that in Sunday school, didn't we? Because you follow the law? Oh, ain't got nothing to do with the law. Can I tell you something? The disciples didn't get what Jesus was saying because they were raised on the law. Not by faith. No. Does these things, uh, does these things be because you heard the good news and believed it? That's where it came from. Your faith. It's not from the law. It's from faith. In the King James Version said, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would start in the spirit and then try to finish it in the flesh? That's silly. Amen. Jesus never intended us to do it that way. He wants us to start on track with him in the spirit and stay with him all the way through in the spirit. Well, let's just stop the devil in his tracks in all of our lives. Where do we go next? The best place of all. Number one, we go to Christ. That's where your salvation begins. Your faith and belief in Jesus Christ and your prayer of repentance and, and accepting the grace that God has for you is the first step you need in salvation. Number two, we have to go to the two witnesses, God's Word and God's Spirit for all the guidance you need in life. Amen. You don't have to come for me guidance. I'll give it to you, but it'll be anointed by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. It's not because of what dude says that makes it right. It's what the Word says and what God says. That's what makes it right. Amen. And then we got to go to the Father. For the eternal life is in Him, and that's what's going to hold us steady, not only in this life, but throughout eternity. If we're successful in taking those three steps of faith, the devil will have to step aside because we have a calling from God to do his will and obey his voice forever. There's no time for turning around. There's no time for turning back. There's no time to sidestep. But what do we do next? We look to God, take what he has for us, and walk straight ahead by his word, by his spirit, by our faith in him, by the prayers, by the, the learning that we've got hidden in our hearts. He gave us his word so we could write it right on our hearts. You don't have to go look it up in the Bible. Look at your heart. Amen. You want to steal $50? Look to your heart. You don't have to look it up in the Bible. The Bible would tell you it's wrong. But look to your heart. It'll tell you it's wrong. Amen. See somebody in trouble that needs a helping hand? Don't look it up in the Bible and say, should I help them or not? Look to your heart. If your heart says help them, help them. Amen. Give them what they need. Lift them up. Amen. I don't know what they need, and I don't even know who you're going to run into. But do your best to walk where the Spirit of God leads you to be the child of God you need to be. In everything we do, we need to make sure the next step we take is the one that's ordered by God. Amen? Amen. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Let us